0: the Word of God this morning as that is found in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah 40, and we'll read verses 1 through 11, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. That's why we read the Word of God this morning, and it's on the basis of that passage, many other passages of Scripture, really the whole of the Word of God, that we have the instruction of the Haudenberg Catechism in Lord's Day 1. So let's turn to read Lord's Day 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Question 1. What is thy only comfort in life and death? Answer, that I with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood, hath fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation and therefore by his Holy Spirit he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. And question two How many things are necessary for thee to know that thou, enjoying this comfort, mayest live and die happily? Three The first, how great my sins and miseries are. The second, how I may be delivered from all my sins and miseries. The third, how I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. For this Lord's Day, beloved, we begin <coughs> preaching on the Hadabuk Catechism once again, from Lord's Day one to Lord's Day. 52, having just completed doing that very same thing. And if someone were to ask the question, why do we do this, why do we preach on the Heidelberg Catechism, and why do we preach on the Heidelberg Catechism yet again, then there are a number of good reasons that can be set forth in answer to those questions. One is that this creed is a creed that we recognize as the work and the product of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit whom Christ promised to his church, and the Spirit who has led the church into the truth as that truth is summarized here in the Heidelberg Catechism. Another good reason is that the Heidelberg Catechism is biblical. It is a faithful setting forth of the truth of Scripture, and it has proved to be so for some 450 years. In all that time, It has never yet been proven that what the Heidelberg Catechism sets forth is not biblical and is not based squarely on the Word of God. And thirdly, we might say this, that Heidelberg Catechism preaching ensures that a minister of the gospel as he brings the word of God to the congregation that has called him, preaches not just his favorite texts and his favorite passages of Scripture and his favorite doctrines and truths, but through preaching on the Heidelberg Catechism, preaches the whole counsel of God. And then... We could add this as another reason. It is very easy for us to drift from the truth and to be characterized by apathy or even ignorance of the doctrines of the Word of God, the doctrines of salvation. And Haudenberg Catechism therefore serves as a means to keep us on the old path and on the good way, as that is mentioned in Jeremiah 6, verse 16. We We could, however, beloved, add one more reason. And that is this, and that reason is the reason that is set forth before us in Lord's Day One of the Heidelberg Catechism, namely, that you and I need comfort. The Heidelberg Catechism explains the truth of all of Scripture. The Heidelberg Catechism explains the truth of Scripture Gradually, you could say, piece by piece. But through it all, there is one central truth and one central treasure that the catechism puts before us, namely, comfort. Comfort. Therein is a good reason for Haderberg catechism preaching. And notice, beloved, from question one of the Heidelberg Catechism, that this Lord's Day assumes that you need comfort, and assumes too that you realize that you need comfort. The question is not: do you think comfort is necessary? The question is not, if you feel there is a need to have comfort, where do you find it? The question is not, when you look for comfort, are you able to find and to have comfort? But the question is, what is your only comfort? What is it? The writers of this confession, as they were directed by the Spirit, knew very well that everyone always needs comfort. Everyone always needs comfort because of life's many troubles and life's many afflictions. And everyone always needs comfort, especially because of sin, sin and its consequences. Sin and the wrath of God that is deserved because of sin. Sin and the punishment that we deserve for it. We don't have to look very far to see and to realize that comfort is a universal need. You see that in the hospitals and in the nursing homes. You see that in funerals, and you notice that at cemeteries. You see and you notice it when you watch the news. And you also sense and feel it. You sense it as you experience in your own life sickness and fear and anxiety and broken relationships and many other burdens, and afflictions. And you sense it in your own life as you struggle every day with the temptations to sin, the falls into sin, and the shame and the guilt of sin. God knows We need comfort, and that's why we read Isaiah 40, which sets before us that awareness that God has of our need for comfort by the fact that God gives to the minister of the gospel the commission, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And how is the minister of the word to comfort the people of God? He is to comfort them by crying out to them that her warfare is accomplished and her iniquity is pardoned. That is to say, the minister of the word is to comfort the people of God with the message of Christ. What he has done so that our warfare is accomplished and our iniquity is pardoned. <coughs> that beloved, then, is the goal of this Lord's Day and of this sermon and of every sermon on the of every sermon on every Lord's Day in the Heidelberg Catechism. That we are taught concerning comfort, and that we are, by the word of God, that is proclaimed comforted, comforted by the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Consider then this Lord's Day under the theme, our only comfort, and we'll notice two things concerning that, the reality of it, and the richness of it. The question with which this Lord's Day begins is, what is thy only comfort in life and in death? That question is asking us this. What is it that keeps you from despair in a life that is full of trouble and sorrow and (coughs) uncertainty? What is it that keeps you from giving up when in this life you suffer loss, loss akin even to what Job experienced? What is it that keeps you from losing hope when there is conflict and trouble and unrest in your home and family or in the church to which you belong? What is it that keeps you from uncontrollable sorrow when a loved one is taken away? That's the question, first of all. But more importantly, the question of this Lord's Day, what is your only comfort in life and in death, is a question that focuses upon that which causes all of the misery of this life. And therefore, the question is really this, what is it that keeps you from despair when you are confronted with the problem of your sin? What keeps your soul from being overcome when you realize how greatly you have offended God by your sin and how much hurt you have brought upon your neighbor? What keeps you from thinking God is angry with me and so angry is God with me that now I am doomed to face the punishment of my sin forever in hell? What keeps you from thinking that? That is, what keeps you from expecting the wrath of God to be poured on yourself for your sin. The wrath of God that, according to Romans 1, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That's what the question is getting at. And in light of those realities, what is your comfort? What is your only comfort? What is your solace in all of this? What do you turn to to remove those fears and to calm your soul, to give peace to your soul? What is your only comfort in life and in death? In answer to those questions, notice first of all this, beloved, from Lord's Day 1, that Lord's Day 1 makes clear that it is possible to have comfort. In fact, the believer confesses, because the Lord's Day is written in such a way that this is your personal confession, the believer confesses that he or she actually has Comfort. That is to say, comfort is not simply a dream. Comfort is not simply a wish that we have, something that we hope to have, but comfort is a fact for the child of God. Comfort is a reality. And what makes it a fact and a reality for the child of God is because comfort is something that God gives to his people, something that God makes real for every believer, and something that God makes and causes to be real in the experience of every believer by means of the gift of faith that he works in the child of God by the Spirit. And this comfort is real for us because it is a comfort that God gives and a comfort that God provides that has its source in something spiritual and not in anything physical or earthly. That's what we must keep before our our minds this morning. The comfort that God gives, the comfort that God provides is spiritual in origin, not physical. Sometimes we foolishly think that we can find comfort in that which is earthly. We can find comfort in physical and earthly things. But the fact is, beloved, if comfort is dependent on something physical or earthly in our experience and in our life, then comfort is elusive. Think of it. What if comfort was found in being rich and successful, having everything that you want to have in this life? What if comfort was found in the fleeting pleasure that is provided by alcohol or drugs? What if comfort was to be found in being liked and loved and respected by others, then we wouldn't have much comfort. If we ever found comfort in any of those things, we would not have it for very long. And the reality is, we would not not have comfort at all if it (coughs) depended on things earthly, and physical. Physical and earthly things can sometimes block out troubles for a little while, perhaps block out the misery that is caused by sin for a little while, but that's all. Riches and success do not give comfort to someone who is sick and who is in pain and who is dying. Pleasure and entertainment do nothing for someone who is burdened by guilt and sin. And the ability to to enjoy this earthly life to the max provides nothing when someone is grieving the loss of a loved one. Comfort is not found in anything earthly or anything physical. But comfort is a spiritual reality for the child of God. And this is the spiritual reality that is our only comfort, the spiritual reality that we belong to Jesus Christ. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong to Jesus. My faithful Savior. That's a marvelous thing to belong to Jesus Christ. If you belong to the Son of God, that means you are valuable, to him. Precious to him. Now among fellow believers, and even among fellow humans, sometimes we experience that we don't belong. Sometimes it seems that we are rejected, we lose friends, we are very much alone in this life at times seems, or it can seem sometimes to you that you're not wanted. No one cares about you. But when you confess that you belong to Jesus, then you can say this, even if no one else will be a friend to you, even if no one else is always there for you, even if there's no one that lets you know they love you and care about you, even if there's no one that points out to you that you are important to them and that they appreciate you. The fact that you belong to Jesus Christ means that you always have him. You always have Jesus Christ. You belong to the Son of God. You belong to the Son of God who says all those things about you. I am your friend. I am always there for you. I love you and in my love I laid down my life for you. You are important to me. And knowing and believing that, then we have comfort. And that is, as the Catechism makes very explicit, that is our only comfort. confessing that you belong to Christ, then you also know this, and you say this, I will not find comfort in earthly things. I will not find comfort in earthly pleasure. I will not find comfort in earthly possessions. I will not find comfort on account of my accomplishments and on account of my own success in this life. I will not find comfort on account of good works that I do, worshiping God and giving to others and helping others. That's not the source of my comfort. My only comfort is I belong to Christ. And I say again, beloved, that's a reality. Not just a wish, not just a dream, not just a hope that we have, but a reality. And the reason it's a reality is because of the work of God. We do not belong to our Lord Jesus Christ because of anything we ourselves have done. We do not belong to him because we chose him. We do not belong to him because we accepted him. We do not belong to him because we did something good that made us pleasing to him, and so he accepted us on account of the good that we did. Never. But we belong to Jesus Christ because God gave us to him. And that raises the question of when, and that question leads us all the way back to eternity and all the way back to the decree of election in eternity. Why do we belong to Jesus Christ? Because, Ephesians 1, 4, we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why do we belong to Christ? Because, as Christ said in John 6, verse 39, the Father gave some to him, and no one will pluck out of his hands any that the Father has given to him. So the fundamental reason why we belong to Jesus Christ and why we have comfort as the people of God is because of God's sovereign, eternal election of us, eternally chosen and eternally given to Christ. That's what makes this comfort very sure because it is God's work, not yours. And it is, to make it absolutely clear that it's God's work, it is a work of God that was done before the foundation of the world. It certainly demonstrates how terrible and how comfortless Arminianism is. Arminianism which teaches that you belong to Jesus Christ because you chose him. It makes it very unstable and very unsure because it hinges upon man. Not only does it make it unstable and unsure, but it makes it impossible. Biblical truth and the truth of the Reformed faith that we confess teaches of a comfort that is very solid, very sure, very certain, because it is grounded in the work of God, grounded in the work of God in eternity, before creation, before man existed, before man did anything good or evil. Something that is sure because it is in the counsel of God. And the counsel of God always stands. And no one and nothing can alter the counsel of God. And no one and nothing can alter our election of God. And no one can alter our belonging to Christ. Because of that, there is comfort for every child of God. God wills that you experience that comfort and God wills that you enjoy that comfort. God who says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. He proclaims the gospel of comfort. He preaches, God does, through Christ and through the ministers of the word who faithfully declare his gospel. He preaches the gospel of comfort. And he sets that before us this morning. And he gives us faith to believe this gospel of comfort. And he says to us, believe it, believe it. That is, believe that you belong to Christ. Don't wonder about that. Don't doubt that. But believe it. Believe it and have comfort. That's our only comfort. We belong to Christ. And Lord's Day One demonstrates to us that this is a very rich comfort. And it is a rich comfort, first of all, because to belong to Jesus Christ means He is your friend. You see, beloved. Belonging is a covenant idea. Belonging is a covenant concept in Scripture. And the covenant, as we know, refers to God's relationship of friendship and fellowship with his people in Christ, with us. God establishes that relationship, and that relationship that God establishes with us involves bringing us into his Fellowship, and even more specifically, bringing us into his family. And being in God's family has everything to do with belonging, belonging to the family of God, belonging to God, belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't, you understand, we don't belong to God like a slave belongs to his master, nor do we simply belong to God like a herd of cattle belongs to a farmer, but we belong to God in a family relationship. God is our friend, and Jesus Christ, who is God, is our friend, and we are in that relationship of friendship with them. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ is your friend, he to whom you belong. What that means for us is that you go through life with him as your covenant friend. You go through life with Christ at at your side as your friend. And so it's Jesus Christ who is with you when you face sickness? Who is with you when you are struggling with loss and loneliness and sorrow? Who is with you when you are experiencing fear and anxiety in life? Who is with you when you are hurting because of the troubles of life? Who is with you when you are facing the effects of sin in your life. A friend who sticketh closer than a brother, that's Christ. That certainly points to this being a very rich comfort. What more could any of us want and what more could any of us need than to have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as our friend? a friend who is with us every day and a friend who is with us every moment. A rich comfort indeed. But it is a rich comfort secondly because Jesus Christ to whom you belong is a sovereign friend. Christ is sovereign. If this Lord's Day teaches us anything about our Lord Jesus Christ to whom we belong, it teaches us that he is in control of all things. He is almighty. He is powerful. And he has done and he is continuing to do great things for those who belong to him. The Lord's Day itself states all the things that Jesus Christ has done and continues to do for those who are, who are his. That shows he is almighty. That shows he is sovereign. He is taking care of everything for us. Everything. Now there's no point in going through all of those things in detail this morning because really all that's mentioned in Lord's Day 1 as the work that Christ is doing is going to be explained in detail in the rest of the Heidelberg Catechism. But we can at least briefly mention and note those things and pay attention to every word, too, of what the Catechism says concerning this sovereign Christ and all that he has done and continues to do For us. First, Jesus Christ, to whom you belong, has with his precious blood fully satisfied for all your sins. That's Isaiah 41 and 2. Comfort, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And how are they comforted? They are comforted because through Christ their warfare is accomplished and all their iniquity is pardoned. That's what Christ is doing for us and has done. Secondly, Christ has delivered me from all the power of the devil. Not just from some of the power of the devil, but from all the power of the devil. He has attained a victory over Satan for us. Thirdly, Jesus Christ, to whom we belong, quote, preserves me so that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. And if our Lord Jesus Christ is paying attention to that, to what we might consider a very insignificant thing, hair falling out of our heads, perhaps a number of them falling out of our heads this morning as we combed or brushed our hair in preparation to go to church, if he's taking care of that, that little thing, And he's certainly taking care of the big things. And then fourthly, in close connection with that, the Catechism says this about him. Jesus Christ, to whom we belong, makes all things subservient to my salvation. Everything serves the good of my soul because I belong to Christ. And fifth, Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, assures me of eternal life. That touches on the fact that God wants his people to have comfort. Comfort as something that they know and that they experience. And so Christ, through his Spirit, sees to it by means of the gift of faith that we are confident of this. Confident of the forgiveness of sins and confident of eternal life. And sixth, the Lord Jesus Christ makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. He changes my behavior, my purposes as well. He makes me thankful, and out of thankfulness to live unto him and not selfishly to live unto myself. Those are things that you and I need someone to do for us. We cannot do them for ourselves. And Jesus Christ is doing them all. He has taken full responsibility for us. For everything that we need now, and for everything that we need eternally. A rich comfort, because Christ is sovereign. Then thirdly, we can note that this is a rich comfort because we belong to him always, all the time. Catechism points that out by saying we belong to him in life and in death. We don't belong to him only some of the time. You don't belong to him only on Sunday because on Sunday you go to church and because maybe you're a Sunday Christian and so that's the only time that you belong to him. No. You don't belong to him only when things are going well in your life, and he is causing things to go well in your life. You don't belong to him only when you are obedient, and then as soon as you are disobedient, he disowns you. Not that either. Nor is it the case, if we look at the other side of the coin, that we simply belong to him on the days that we need him the most. The days that are filled with fear. So that we retreat to and we seek him and can know that we belong to him when we are afflicted, when we are troubled, when we are distressed when we are overwhelmed. No, we belong to him every moment, all the time, all the time, in life and in death, in time, now, and forever. And that's something that we ought to live in the awareness of as the people of God, Comfort every day because there's not a day where you don't belong to Him. Comfort every moment because there's not a moment when you don't belong to Him. And only then, when by God's grace we live in that consciousness and that awareness, only then will this truth of belonging to Christ be our strength when troubles come. We belong to him in life, and we belong to him in death. Romans 14 verse 8 speaks of that. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And so we have comfort already in life, in this life. Comfort is not simply something that we will get one day in the future so that when we get to heaven, then finally we will have comfort in heaven. But the point is, we already have it now. We have comfort in life. We have comfort in this life. We have comfort in this life because we belong to Christ in all of this life from beginning to end of life. The believer can confess, I have comfort now with regard to sin. My sins rise up against me, and they testify against me, but I belong to Christ, and he has fully satisfied for all my sins. They are all paid for. They have all been punished And uh, and the favor of God rests upon me and the believer can confess I have comfort now in this life in every circumstance of my life because the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign and everything comes from his hand from the hand of him to whom I belong and all of it subservient to my salvation but we also have comfort in death. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Death is an enemy. Scripture refers to it as our last enemy. We have a natural fear of death. We are afraid of dying, because we're afraid of the unknown. don't really know what it's like to die. And because we understand death is God's punishment for sin. And death is ordinarily the way to eternal death. But the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we belong, has destroyed the power of death because he has destroyed the wrath of God against us for our sin. And so death and the grave are no longer punishment for us. Death and the grave are not able to take us away from Christ and instead into hell. but instead of that, death is our servant. Because we belong to Christ in death. And he is there using death as a servant to take us unto himself, to take us to a life of glory, to be with him, and to be in the presence of God through Christ forever and forever. We have comfort in death as well. Because you belong to Christ, you are able in the words of this catechism, to live and to die happily. That is the comfort, the rich comfort of the gospel that God proclaims to us. And it is a comfort for each believer personally. The question is not, what is comfort, but what is your comfort? The answer is not, God's people belong to Christ, but I belong to Christ. And So may we believe and confess this again and again and always. This is my only comfort. I belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. O oh, Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for Christ, to whom we belong. We thank Thee for Thy sovereign work in making us his, and for his sovereign work in saving us and directing all things for our good. May this comfort be real for us by thy grace and spirit. May it live in our souls in this life so that we have comfort in life and in death so that we are able to live and to die happily. In Jesus' name, amen.